pray with me. Almighty God, we are so grateful that you are the one who calls us into your family. That Lord, it is by your body and by your blood that we are incorporated into you and that Lord, your spirit is in us. Lord, this morning, pour your Holy Spirit out that we might hear your word to be seeds in our heart to bear fruit in our lives. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. In Rwanda, authority is something that they take very seriously. Uh, and they take it seriously with almost everything they do. One of the ways that you see this is everything uh, has to be stamped. So in the United States, oftentimes, right, you, you will sign for something, and a signature is sufficient in order to uh, show that you have approved a document. In Rwanda, it's a much bigger process. And when I mean signed a document, I mean they have to stamp receipts for gas purchase. I mean, the, the guy at the gas station will stamp the receipt and sign it. Um, they care a lot about authority. They care a lot about the responsibility of authority. It is a very hierarchical culture, and it took a lot of getting used to for me. But here in the United States, when we have to do something important, we also have similar kinds of customs. A couple weeks ago, I had to use a power of attorney document for the first time. And if you've ever gone through having to sign a power of attorney for someone and have them act with power on your behalf, you know that it can be a bit of a process. You have to go before uh, a notary, you have to bring two forms of identification, and then you send it off, and they have to register it with the court. Because you are giving your authority and power to that person, to that agent. The whole gospel story, the one that you heard read, as well as the one that I just read, is really a story about authority, about power, powerlessness, the clashing of two different kingdoms. It's a story of two men and the authority that they represent, Herod and Jesus, and by way of Jesus, John. So where are we in the text? We're in the Gospel of Matthew, and in Mark, Gospel of Mark, and Mark is building up to this big moment in chapter 8 when Peter will confess that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Right up front in the very first sentences of the Gospel of Mark, he tells us that Jesus is the Son of God, and this whole journey is one of teaching us what that means. At the very end of the Gospel of Mark, a centurion looks at Jesus, who has just died on the cross, and says, surely this is the Son of God, the suffering Messiah. We are not there yet. Here where we are, we are still discovering what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God, discovering what God is doing in this person. We are on a journey. Jesus has just had his authority questioned in Nazareth, and he rebukes them and then gifts his authority and power to the disciples as they go out two by two to cast out demons and heal people. And Herod, Herod hears about Jesus. Word is spreading and they are trying to figure out who he is. And that's when we get this flashback. This story, the story of John and Herod is, is a flashback. First, the characters. Herod. Now, it can be complicated to understand who Herod is uh, because there are two different Herods mentioned in the New Testament. Herod the Great, who we read about in the Gospel of Matthew, and then his son here in Mark and in Luke. 
This is the son, and this is not a pleasant family. Herod the Great was notorious for his paranoia concerning his sons, and even creating violent tendencies toward them. The Romans joked that it was better to be Herod's pig than his son, a play on words because the words son and pig sound very similar in Greek. It would be safer to be a Jew's pig after all. And it is important to remember that while he is king, while this man is king, he is a puppet king. He has a lord and his name is Caesar, the self-proclaimed son of God. Herod is an intermediary authority. He is sandwiched between a rather rebellious and discontent people in a brutal empire. He is a middleman who bears the title of king without its strength or its dignity. And we find out that he has unlawfully even married his brother's wife. Now set him in contrast with John the Baptist, a, a man who would have been roughly the same age the son of a prominent priest who, rather than being part of the religious elite, has turned to the wilderness and preached a strong message of repentance and preparation for the coming of the kingdom, the coming of the true king, the coming of the true son of God. He is the voice calling out in the wilderness, making straight the path of the Lord, an odd man, he eats locusts and honey. He wore odd clothes. He was unbridled and charismatic, calling people who were already members of the covenant community to be fully cleansed like Gentiles entering into their fold. He was not making friends, and yet he was wildly popular among the people. They flocked to his prophetic voice because they were so starved for that voice, the word of the Lord. He has no title no authority, and yet he has the power of the kingdom, the authority of the king that he is proclaiming and who is coming in his footsteps. In Acts, the disciples run into disciples of John in Ephesus. And if you think about that in the ancient world, that is very far away. John was a big deal. And John has power among the people because of it because they hear his voice and know the real authority he brings. He will not remain quiet about the sins of Herod. His prophetic duty intends for him to call him out. And this flashback brings these two people together to tragic conclusions. John has been publicly critical of, John, of Herod's marriage. His wife Herodias has it out for John, but Mark tells us that Herod feared John knowing him to be of God. And though he was perplexed by the message of the coming of the kingdom, he listened to him gladly. He was conflicted. He was afraid. And when this all comes to a head, no pun intended, Herod makes an oath in front of his party, a gift to the girl who danced, the daughter of Herodias. And he is pressed to kill John, to make good on his arrogant and imprudent oath. Herod is feckless, spineless, and while he may have been given the order, give the order to kill John, he is actually powerless. His authority is a farce. A teenage girl and her mother have more power than he does. But when he hears there is someone in the country healing people, 
who the people are flocking to, he is convinced that it is John the Baptist raised from the dead. He is still afraid of John even after John is dead. John strikes fear into his heart because he knows that John is the one who has real power and real authority. One man ends up beheaded. The other one remains king. And yet the one who has power in the situation is reversed. The Lord Jesus says that no man was greater among those born of women than John. The other man remains king even though he can't recognize the real Lord when he will eventually stand before him in the passion. Like Pilate, he is spineless to do what is right. Now the word martyr means witness. Because they witness, martyrs witness in their flesh to Jesus, to his identity, to his death, to his ultimate authority. Tertullian said that in the first centuries of the church, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. Witnesses whose voices are louder in death than in life, John is a witness to a kingdom that is coming and is now here, and Herod knows that his witness is not dead even though he was beheaded. He thinks it's more likely that he rose from the dead that someone else could be preaching. Jesus has an upside down kingdom. A kingdom where the Son of God is fully recognized only when we see him on the cross. The life of a king fully recognized only in his act of laying his life down. The life and witness of John takes on the same strange shape of this strange upside-down kingdom. He insists on speaking truth to the king because he recognizes that there is an authority higher than Herod, higher than Caesar. He will not move, and he loses his head, but not his soul. And while many of us may not be beheaded, we are called to have lives that witness to that same kingdom breaking in. For those of us who are baptized into the body of Christ, we're sustained by this great Thanksgiving meal, which we will just celebrate. We too are called to have our witness written into our flesh, for our identity to take on the curious character of this Jesus that we call Lord. And it all comes down to who we understand to have ultimate authority in our lives, in the world. There are many times when the ultimate authority and power of God are challenged by real evil, darkness, and sin that seem to transpire all around us. One of the great struggles of people who watch and experience the Rwandan genocide is just this. People asking themselves, where is God in the midst of things unthinkable? Where was God when Jesus, or when John was arrested and beheaded? How are we to be witnesses like John in a world full of darkness, in a world where other things have authority besides God? Well, the first thing I would like to offer up as uh, something to reflect on is that we have to ask the Lord to continue to grow us in faith, hope, and love. How are we to be witnesses in a world like this? We have to be people of faith, hope, and love. 
We need faith to trust in the Lord as we follow Christ in a world already broken into but not yet resurrected. We need hope to be our anchor fastened to the resurrected Christ. Hope to make us relentless in the face of authorities who do not understand or recognize the real authority and power of God. Hope to know that death is not the end and the end is not death. And above all, we need love. Love we abide in and love that abides with us, which is to say the Lord himself. Love which endlessly makes possible new creation in the midst of beheadings and crucifixions. When we see through a glass darkly, when our prophets are killed, when these three remain, faith to move us, hope to anchor us, and love in which to abide. If we are to be witnesses to the ultimate authority of Christ in the world, we must be people of faith, hope, and love. For some time now, hope has been something the Lord has been pressing me into. My wife and I just celebrated the birth of our third child, Iris Hope Nelson Walsh. Our ministry in Rwanda is called Hope on a Thousand Hills. My diocese here in the United States in the ACNA is called the Anglican Diocese of Christ Our Hope. I am surrounded by it. And it's for this reason that when I read a text like this, hope in particular stands out. We know that John was nervous in prison from other gospel accounts. He was human after all, but he fastened himself to the Lord. He hoped, and that hope made him unwavering. Second, as we grow in these theological virtues and the fruits of the Spirit in general, we are also called to be people who recognize and name the authority of God, even in difficult and desperate situations. We can see that even when evil may seem to rule, when Herod seems to be king, that it is ultimately a farce. It will not remain. It is temporary. And on the other side, we can come to understand the true power and true authority comes from being members of Jesus' upside-down kingdom. Even when others might think we are fools, we can rest in the knowledge that he who is growing in us is greater than he who is in the world. The reason Herod is still afraid of John, even after he, was, after he beheaded him, is because Herod recognized that the power and authority John possessed that he witnessed to was not something that you could stop with any amount of violence. When death is the worst that Herod can do, he knows, and he knows that death will not prevail over John, he is more afraid than ever. And that same hope, that same confidence should give us joy. We are secured by a Lord who will one day be revealed and death will be under his feet in victory. There is nothing that can separate us from that love from our Lord. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus tells the disciples that among those born of women, there was no one greater than John, but that the very least in the kingdom of God will be even greater than John. If we belong to Christ, if we have the power of the Spirit in us and his authority to be his ambassadors, as Paul says, if we are members of that kingdom, then we can hang our hat on that promise of Jesus. In Rwanda, I have the privilege of encountering firsthand people who witnessed the power of the cross in their lives. 
to the ultimate power and authority of Christ, even in extraordinarily difficult situations, even in ways that seem foolish or insane to those who might be looking on from a distance. Here are a few examples. A woman who lives a little east of Kigali, where I live, in a city called Mahanga, she is the only one from her family alive, and in 1994, they were all slaughtered, all of her family were slaughtered by a single man who lives near her. He is now dying of AIDS, and he himself has no one. So every single day, she brings him food so that he does not starve. Or Rita, who was just 10 months old when her parents were killed, raised in an orphanage, and now is the bookkeeper at our ministry. And her dream, her dream for the future, is to open a home so that she could continue to care for children like her. Or the archbishop who just retired, Anesaphor Rajay, who in 1991 gave up the chance to finish a PhD program in Scotland and to bring his wife and five children to safety because he was elected bishop and spent the first years of his Episcopal ministry living in UN camps with displaced people and then leading his church through the genocide. Or the wonderful woman who walks one mile uphill to the cathedral I serve every Sunday to prepare communion, even when she is weakened by her aids because she wants to prepare the elements and to be blessed by one of the priests. To many, the sight of a woman walking to church does not look powerful. It may not look like a person who is acting as an ambassador of the Supreme Lord of the universe, and yet this is exactly what real power looks like in the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like to witness to a crucified and resurrected Lord. And that is our calling, to live in a world of Herod's as witnesses to a king and kingdom that are still being revealed, to be a people of faith, hope, and love, and to rest in the hidden power of the cross. And in those times when we struggle to see things as they truly are, when we might be blinded by the evil around us, we can remember the words of the Lord to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. Pray with me. Almighty God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that, Lord, even though we are sinners, you came down, that, Lord, you took on flesh, and that, Lord, you died. Lord, we ask that you continue to work your resurrected life in us to make us, like John the Baptist, witnesses to the power of your kingdom as it continues to break in. That, Lord, we can be people of faith, hope, and love. And that faith, hope, and love will make visible your presence to those around us. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.